0: I've been at this game of speaking on the Word of God for quite a while, quite a number of years. It never gets easy. Some weeks are a little bit easier than others. You sort of have a message, and you think, "Oh, that's something worth saying, and that's good." Other weeks are harder. This week I found it rather hard because it just hasn't fallen together in my preparation the way I would have liked, which has been frustrating because. I honestly believe the message I want to share today, if I get it right, if we hear the Word of God truly, is absolutely transformational. I guess you always feel that when you look at the Bible. But there's been this sense of like, if, if I can get this message in my own life, my life will change for the better. If we can get this message that I want to share with you today into our church life, boy, there will be power. The world will change. If Christians can just get this message that I want to share with you today, So I hope I can share something of the passion because I've struggled to find it in preparation. So let's ask God to help us as we come to his word. Father God, do speak to us the truth from your word, not my words, Lord, not anything but your truth. And Lord, don't just help us to understand the Bible. Help us to know you and be transformed by your spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last time I'm doing a series on mission. Uh, Four talks on mission. Number two talk. Last time I said the title of my talk was Mission B. In other words, mission is not about doing. But it's about being with God. It's about being who we are, the bride of Christ, the people of God, the children of God. And as we do that, we, we shine like stars in the universe. We hold forth the word of life. But it's not about doing because our life is not about it's about grace, not works. It is not what you do for God that counts. It's what you do with God as you be who you've been made to be in Christ. I, I was saying last week, the church is to be like a movie trailer for the kingdom to come, for the new heavens and the earth, new earth. People are to, are to see the church and see the light shining. And they say, oh, I wouldn't mind seeing what world they come from. I wouldn't mind putting in the investment to find out what makes them like this, that we are relevant because what we believe matches up with what we profess and it's powerful. Mission B. Now there are two likely responses I think from that talk when it's all about being, not doing this mission. The first is some of you who are activists will say, hold it, you can't say that. We're to be proactive. We've got, we've got to be doing something. It's got to be. We, we just can't rest on our laurels and just be. The other response is to say, "Oh, that's 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 cool. I just have to be a Christian. It's all about grace. I just relax and I will go with the flow, and that's all God calls me to be." These two different responses. However, uh, they're both wrong, I think. Because what it means to be a Christian is to be someone who follows Jesus. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor in Germany before the Second World War. He resisted the Nazis. He broke away from churches that conformed to the Nazis. He was a great theologian. He wrote a book called um, The Cost of Discipleship. And in it he had this very little simple quote. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was executed by the Nazis. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Do you see that is not active to come and die? That's not something about you doing. And it's not relaxing, it's not going with the flow. It involves sacrifice, it involves giving, it involves service. It involves love. That is mission. What is the foundation for mission? Mission is an interesting word. It comes from, our word mission comes from the Latin word missio, which means to send. It's the sending word. In fact, if you go to the Catholic Church, you go to Mass. You know where that word comes from? Well, at the end of the Latin Mass, the words that always finished were... I've got to read this, ite mise est. Go, it is the dismissal. It is the sending. So you would hear people say, it's almost got this missional sense. You come to church, you come to mass and then you are sent, dismissed into the world. You're missioned after you have come to the gathering. But you know, mission... As great as that idea is, is not a biblical word. If you look at the King James Version of the Bible, the, the Bible in English which sets so much of the English language on a, on, a, on a foundation for what we speak today, the word mission appears in the King James Version zero times. If you looked at the NIVs, the New International Version which we use here on Sundays in church, the word mission turns up six times Mostly translating a word command in the Old Testament or exercise in the Old Testament. It only appears once in the New Testament in Acts chapter twelve where it translates the word service. They finished their service, they finished their mission. If you look at the New Revised Standard Version, it turns up five times the word mission. Again, Acts twelve, twenty five, the only New Testament reference, they finish their service, their mission. Because the reason we don't get the word mission in the Bible is because the word sent in the Bible, that word for Latin, missio the word sent is almost always translated, guess what? Sent. Not mission. One of the major words, sending words, is the word apostolo, apostolo from which we get the word apostle. What were the apostles? The apostles were people who were chosen by Jesus and Sent. They were the sent ones. They were the missional ones. So we don't get the word mission in the Bible. But the concept certainly is there. The Father sent the Son. That is foundational. God is a missional God, a God of mission. Jesus sends his disciples, unmistakable, into the world. But I want you to understand that mission, I think, as we see it in the Bible, is less about sending. Yes, God sends. Yes, Jesus sends. But mission is less about sending and more about giving. Mission is to be motivated by love, not movement. The great mission verse in the Bible, people will say, Matthew 28, 19, Go and make disciples of all nations. Yeah, that's a great verse and it is. You know what I reckon the great mission verse is in the Bible? The number one verse on mission? Most of you know it by heart. John three, sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. So that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Mission is about giving. It's less about going, it's less about movement and activity, it's far, far more about love and sacrifice at cost. That is mission. See, we follow Jesus. You only have to look at his life. Jesus was a man on a mission. The foundational Christmas, Christian statement Jesus is Lord. In other words, we are his slaves. It is our responsibility to carry forward the mission of Jesus. And he was a man on a mission. Jesus' mission had one direction. I'm starting a series tonight from Matthew's Gospel and I've titled the series Man on a Mission. Because here we start seeing Jesus sending people out and going and being burdened for all the people with troubles. Vic has done a graphic for our website for Man on a Mission. I didn't talk to him about that. This is the graphic he's done. He got it right. What was Jesus' mission? What was Jesus' direction? It was cross-centered. You read the Gospels. He's heading for the cross. You want to follow Jesus? Where are you going? You're heading for the cross. Jesus was a man on a mission there's a great verse at the start of john's gospel a great verse that sort of sets the tone for mission in god john's gospel john chapter 1 verse 14 the word became flesh that is jesus the son of god the word became flesh and he made his dwelling among us we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only who came from the father full of grace and truth. John says, we've seen his glory, the word of God. Jared Haynes been in the news a fair bit lately, trying out for the football in America. Have you seen the clips of him? There he is, our good old Aussie boy, getting the ball, zipping through these holes, running, 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 dodging that person, dodging this person. Have you seen his glory? <coughs> the glory of the one and only Jared Full of Aussie grace and truth. What did John mean when he said, We've seen his glory? We know what it means for Jared Hain. Well, with Jesus came the kingdom, came God with us, the Word. <coughs> and John says, We've seen his glory. In fact, we've seen his miracles. We've seen his power. That's true in John's Gospel. But you know what that mostly means? That word glory, you know what that mostly refers to in John's Gospel? It means we have seen him head for the cross. We've seen him be crucified and exalted. We have seen his glory. The reading that Sasha brought to us from John chapter 12, it's very clear. Jesus has just entered Jerusalem. And the people have said, Hosanna to the son of David, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And they throw palm branches upon the road and they're rejoicing. That's pretty glorious, right? Straight after that, some Greeks come to Jesus and to see to meet him, because he's a pretty impressive person in Jerusalem. And Jesus says the hour has not yet come for the Son of Man to be glorified. What about that donkey and all those people and all that rejoicing? The hour has not yet come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Then he says, I tell you the truth, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Fruit as the wheat Seed goes into the ground and produces many seeds. In its death there is life, there is fruitfulness, says Jesus. Well, he goes on about this life abundant. Verse 27, Jesus says, Now my heart is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, this trial. Father, save me from this hour. And then he says, No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour this is my mission father glorify your name then a voice came from heaven I have glorified it and I will glorify it again the crowd that was there and heard it said said it thundered others said an angel had spoken like what's going on here And Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. He's less than a week away from his crucifixion. But when I am lifted up from the world, I will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. When is the moment of glory? When the Son of Man is lifted up from the world on a cross. When is the Father glorified? When the Son of Man is lifted up from the world on a cross. What did Jesus come for? What time? What glory? When he is lifted up from the world and nailed to a cross. Glory, glory, hallelujah, says John as he records Jesus' words. What about those who would follow Jesus? Well, in this same passage, just after saying that a seed, wheat seed must die to produce many fruit, he says, the man who loves his life will lose it and the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me, says Jesus, must follow me. Did you get that? And where I am, my servant also will be My Father will honour the one who serves me, who follows me, who follows him to the cross. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, the three synoptic Gospels, there is one story told in all three of them. I'll read it to you from Luke's Gospel. Luke chapter 9 verse 20. people are wondering who Jesus is and Jesus says to his disciples, what about you? Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Christ. You're the Messiah of God. Good answer, Peter. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. He said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law and he must be killed and on the third day he will be raised to life. Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me for whoever wants to save his life will lose it and whoever loses his life for me will save it. It's unmistakable that Jesus calls his followers to a cross-shaped discipleship. A cruciform pattern of living. In the cross we see the glory of Jesus we see his power we see his holiness we see his engagement with a messed up fallen broken world we see his coming to us we see him giving of himself we see his we see his victory in the cross and in the way of the cross in the way of sacrifice is our glory, is our power, is our engagement with a fallen, messed up, broken world, is our giving of ourself, our coming to people, our holiness, our victory, our glory in the way of the cross. We talk about words like godliness. It's good to be godly. We want to be godly. Lord, help me to be more godly. Help me to be more holy, Lord. Which means, Lord, help me to be more like you, more like God, which means we will be more marked more and more and more by sacrifice, by the shape of the cross. Because that's what God did. Godliness is distilled and intensified through engagement through suffering, through service. Let me say this, there is no mission without sacrifice. There is no mission work for God without sacrifice. If you want to do something for God, if you want to do something for our broken world, if you want to do something to bless and heal and restore, you must pay the Christ in the way of the cross if you built a church 400 years ago in Europe and in fact most parts of the world this might be your uh, template for your building you would build your church in the shape of a cross in fact if you go even in our city churches that are 100 years old there are lots of them are built in the shape of a cross like that they, you know, great big cathedrals all the way down to parish churches. When they get three, three D, they look like this. There we go, shape of a cross. Crazy thing is, they built these churches in the shape of a cross because the church was to be cross-shaped. It's a great thing. Then they turn them into these massive cathedrals, but oh, anything but sacrifice just glory, it's kind of paradoxical. But the concept is a good concept. Let's make our architecture cross-shaped because we the people are to be cruciform in our very being. And we're to glorify God through the cross, through our cruciform nature. That's what the churches were trying to represent. The reality is us, our church is not built in a cross shape, but the reality is you and me, we are to be cruciform in our, our very pattern of being if we are following Jesus. That is to be a distinguishing feature. We're to be at cost drawn outwards towards sinners, towards the fallen, towards the broken. We're to be engaging. There is no place for fear or laziness or the pursuit of comfort. There is a demand for courage and hard work. Because it is hard. Look at Jesus in Acts John twelve. It's hard. Father, save me from this hour. Father, save me from this hour. No! Because it's this very hour I came. Father, save this church from the sacrifices involved in fulfilling your work in this world and being a blessing in making your kingdom known. Save us, Lord. No! Because it's for this very work we exist to sacrifice, to show forth your glory and build your kingdom. This is a constant message of the New Testament. It's the recurring pattern. And it's one that I think when we read our Bible, we want to avoid all too often. Peter says this. I could read much more of this, just one verse. He says, To this, you Christians, you were called... Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps, says Peter. The American preacher John MacArthur, if I can quote him, says this, In his death Jesus taught us how to live. We often look at his dying moments and observe that in his death we have an illustration of the seriousness of sin sin and the need for a saviour to pay the price of our iniquity. We recognize that by his substitutionary death, he died in our place. But Peter says that there is even more to the cross than that. Christ not only died for us, but also as an example to us. He died to show us how to live. It's throughout the New Testament. Paul speaks of his... Mission to the church in Corinth, the messed up, broken church, saved by the grace of Jesus. And he says this, defending his ministry He says, To this very hour, we go about hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We're brutally treated. We're homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. Up to this moment we have become the scum of the earth, the refuse of the world. My mission, says Paul, is shaped by the cross. Even my mission amongst you. And that is my joy and the power of my ministry, he would also say. Later he speaks about how he would like freedom from his suffering. He has this thorn, he calls it this thorn in the flesh, this affliction. And he prays and asks God to remove it and... When I embrace the way of the cross in my ministry, God's power kicks in. The letter to the Philippians is really the most joyful and exciting, hopeful, encouraging letter of all Paul's letters. If you just want good, upbeat memory verses, Philippians from Paul's letter. That's the place to go. In Philippians, this upbeat letter, Paul says this, your attitude should be that as same as that that is Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be held on to. But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. He humbled himself. Being made in human likeness he, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. There's the pattern. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name. Later in Philippians... Paul's saying, all oh, the good things I had in this life, they're all rubbish. And he says, I want to know Christ. Hallelujah. And the power of his resurrection. Hallelujah. And the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. What did you say that for, Paul? In that? Why did you have to ruin such a great memory verse? Because that's the power. And so somehow through this to attain to the resurrection of the dead. Because unless a wheat dies and falls to the ground, it's not going to produce many fruit, many seeds. The great mission verse, Rahan spoke on this a couple of months ago, in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. In Greek, that word witness is the word martyria, from which we get our English word martyr. Because so often with those very early Christians, when they were witnesses, they became martyrs. They're just witnessing. You want to be a great missionary, you want to be a great witness, it's going to be the way of martyria. A martyrdom for the others, not for your own self-glory. A martyrdom for the good of others, as you bear witness to Jesus' love. There is life for yourself and life for others through losing your life. That is the glory and that is the power of Christian mission. It's to be like a recurring fabric pattern or a wallpaper pattern that runs through our life. Cross-shaped. Maybe you wear a cross around your neck, telling people you're a Christian. I tell you, we've got to wear crosses on our heart, crosses before our eyes, crosses as our vision. Last Sunday night, Tim Blanco, my friend from Macquarie Baptist, a great guy, was here and spoke. And I just said, "Oh, give us any talk you want, Tim. You know, I just didn't want to speak that night, and I'd organised him beforehand. Long story." So Tim happened to come and he spoke on mission steps. And actually he was speaking on one verse. This verse here, 1 Thessalonians 3.1, just one verse, this is all about mission. Paul says, may God to the Thessalonians, may God himself clear the way for us to come to you. And Tim's point was there. You reckon you're not on mission? There is mission. So that we, us, might come to you And as we do so, that we might share life and build faith. Just going to people who are in need, who you know, and sharing life and building faith. And you notice, but it's a prayer. You've got to pray about this. God, clear the way because you're going to be getting there through serious difficulties. So God, would you clear the way so that we might come to you? Can you see that cloud? That cloud is full of crosses through serious difficulties. The way of the cross. So pray to the God of mission that you would have patient endurance and that he would clear the way. You want to share your faith with your family? You want to share hope with family and they've rejected you? They don't want to hear? There are serious difficulties to get through. Pray that God might clear the way. But you know, there are serious difficulties to get through, so don't expect it's going to be easy. You're going to have to sacrifice for your family. You're sick of them. You've done it before. Why again? Because that's the way of the cross. Jeff and Beth Dillon serving in Central Asia. Decade or more. Very little response, lots of resistance. Serious difficulties. They're finally starting to see some fruit. Why are they starting to see fruit? Well, people have been praying, hallelujah. They've been asking God to clear the way. It's because I think the greatest factor is Jeff and Beth have been persevering through serious difficulties. They have been living the way of the cross. They have been living with the people. They have been slandered. They have been insulted. They have met corruption and they have kept loving and holding forth the word of life. That is mission. The way of the cross. In Syria... Oh, not in Syria. There's troubles, troubles, troubles in Syria. There's refugees all over Europe. Many of them don't know Jesus. Some of them do and have been persecuted dreadfully. Is there a place there for Christians to make known the universal reign of God through Christ? Absolutely. May God himself clear the way so that we might come to them. But that's not going to happen easy, friends. It's going to be through serious difficulties and risk and trial. It's going to involve some love. It's going to involve some sacrifice. It might involve have a look at your bulletins, having someone stay in your house. You grew up in Syria. It might involve a bit of your own mullah. It might involve going. Through serious difficulties, there are parts of our city which have hardly got any good Bible-believing churches. I've got to tell you, we live in an area that's flooded with them. I wonder if the Lord might be calling you to move. I don't like it here. Don't you dare tell me to go and live in Wayland or Yaguna or Lakemba. through serious difficulties, the way of the cross. What's motivating you? For Peno Life? A nice summer holiday activity? Or is the way of the cross motivating us to share Jesus with children and families in our area? It's a serious question, isn't it? Can you see this is an important topic we're talking about today? We talk about mission. Mission this, mission that. We're going to go on mission. Have you counted the cost? Do you love Jesus? It's hard to be on mission. It's hard to reach out because we are trying to overthrow the powers and the patterns of this world as we declare the universal reign of God in Christ. But we have a secret that the world does not have and that is the power of the cross which is irresistible Because it's life giving. John Piper writes this He says, Our suffering becomes an extension and presentation of Christ's suffering for those for whom he died. Suffering is not an accidental result of obedience, it is an ordained means of penetrating the peoples and the hearts of the lost. We break through through suffering. Paul writes this to the Corinthians. He writes a lot to the Corinthians about suffering and his mission. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life might be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It's this seed concept again. Always carrying around in my body the death of Jesus, so that you might have life. That is the trick. That is the missionary secret. By carrying around in our bodies the death of Jesus, We reveal the life of Jesus. This is what we need to be teaching in our Bible colleges. Sydney Missionary and Bible College. Number one lesson: die. Morling College: express the death of Jesus so that others might have the life of Jesus. More College. Topic number one: die for Jesus so that others may live. Wear it in your body. Michael Frost, who lectures at Morling. The more we embrace the cross as a paradigm for discipleship, the more alive we become and the more we reveal the life of Jesus. Now, I don't know, you may not be getting this, so let me make it clear. If you are a believer, isn't Jesus wonderful? Do you know him? What a wonderful saviour is Jesus, my Lord. What a wonderful saviour to me. Do you know that? Yeah, he died for my sin. He loves me. He came and he met my need. And he didn't count the cost. And when he said, Father, save me from this hour, he said, No, my mission is to die for John. When Peter wanted to exalt him as a great king, he said, Get behind me, Satan. My mission is to die for John. Don't dare you distract me from my great work. He didn't count the cost. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. What a wonderful saviour is Jesus my Lord. What a wonderful saviour to me. Do you know that truth? What if you modelled your life and your mission on the pattern of Jesus? Jesus. So that those who are in your family who resist you as a believer and have done so many, many times, they might say, you died for me. You keep giving. You keep sacrificing. For those who work, you might slander you. Why do you keep loving me and treating me so well? Why do you keep holding out this word of life to an Islamic world that is tearing itself apart and tearing others apart? What if the Christian church just kept loving them and dying for them? Why would you do that? You came to me. You met my need. You're working for my wholeness. You must love me. You must care. I don't get this. You didn't count the cost. Can you see how irresistible that is? Can you see that that is the power of the cross? We talk about, we sing, oh, the power of the cross. Do you see the power of the cross? Do you see the power of sacrifice? Do you see the irresistible nature of sacrificial love that you are called to as a follower of Jesus? He calls you in a mission. There was a song about mission written in India over a hundred years ago. It's become quite a popular song. Most people don't think it's about mission. They think it's about becoming a Christian. It's not about becoming a Christian, I don't think. It's about mission. It's very simple and it's true. And this song contains the great secret that we need to teach at our Bible colleges. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross. Before me, the world behind me, no turning back. No turning back. You know, it's actually the cross before me, the world that I've left behind me, and the world surrounding me as I walk the way of the cross, on mission with my Saviour. I have decided to follow Jesus. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Let me pray. Lord God, help us follow your Son, for he is Lord. Help us walk the way of the cross and in that find life and give life. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.